uh, goddamn hippies. Radio Drone. Welcome to another wasted, I don't know, in quotes night. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Alex Knuckle Eater Jowski. It's a. Uh, yeah, I am here. Cecil, am I able to tell people Cecil, new dad, Trachtenberg? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I you know, I it's just out did. There. You certainly did. And we have a special guest this week. We have James Durham, all the way down up. Down, depending on where you are from Australia, we have James Durham joining us this week. G'day guys, how's it going? See, they actually say good day. I'm not being <laughs> racist when I did that last time. God damn, that accent. See, <laughs> I have it's a Philly racist. accent. Nobody First thinks a Philly stuff. accent is good. Australian <laughs> accent is awesome. Everything you say sounds <laughs> awesome. Cheers, mate. Uh, that that's awesome too because um, a lot of people have that that uh, you know that that one way of thinking when it comes to the accent, but it does vary. Look, I've got to even admit it. It does. You've got the real posh English types in um, the middle of, of South Australia, and then it just yeah goes all over the place. But uh, yeah, mate, thank you very much. I think the worst accent in the world, actually, and this is no offense to anybody, but shit, that New York, holy cow, I'm from the New York fart. Deportment. Oh my god, shit, sorry. <laughs> sort of went off on a tangent there. Oh, believe well, me, we're all about tangents. <laughs> I, I'm, going, I'm going to make Cecil new dad Trachtenberg go off on a tangent about adamandeve.com because, ah, screw, sh- yes, screw you, do it. Oh god, you know, uh, my brain's in another place right now. Um, Alright, fine, Alex, <laughs> go. Go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME. You get 50% off a single item, free shipping in the United States, three free DVDs, and a mystery gift that only Agatha Christie knows what it is. She actually might. (laughs) We have a topic set, which we're going to get into, and unfortunately, the day we're recording this, Milhan Golem just died half of canon films, and that unfortunately will kind of play into our topic. Why does a movie stick with you? Whether it's just sticks in your brain, whether you want it to or not, thank you Adam Sandler movies, or a movie just sticks with you throughout the ages. To honor Golem, I gotta say, canon did that with me. I remember so many canon films that were less than stellar quality, so... To honor Golem, let's talk about the canon films that stick with us first. Masters of the Universe. I loved He-Man, and then there was the He-Man movie, and it was awesome. But then I was like nine at the time. So then I grew up and realized that, oh my god, this is bad, but it's still really good. That one I remember. I, I still go back and watch Masters of the Universe. It's campy. It is campy as hell. I laugh my way through that thing. Orko looks terrible, and it's like... He's not look- Orko! Well, he's Orko wannabe. Fair enough. He's the knockoff Orko. He's, he's the Sam's Choice Orko. But then there's Courtney Cox is in it before she was, you know, Courtney Cox. Chelsea Field as Tila. Yeah. Quiet. I always had a thing for Chelsea Field, you ingrate. But that one sticks with me a lot. I would definitely have to say um, 
I, I loved Masters of the Universe, and I, I was actually really chuffed when um, Ces- uh, Cecil, sorry, um, actually put it onto GBF, uh, Good Bad Flicks, because I, you know I used to be so arrogant that I go, there is no way a movie that flopped, um, there is no way that I could like that movie. No, that's that's crap. But um, you know, I I love that movie, and when I was so surprised to find out that it didn't do well. No, look, I, I've got to side with with Alex here. You know, I'm not very knowledgeable about canon films but i have seen also <laughs> electric boogaloo and uh when that came out bloody hell um you see i saw that before i saw breakdance number uh, the the first one and geez like um that that was the time when we were all uh thinking we could do you know those moves do it on our heads without breaking our necks and all that so yeah look if anything this guy is certainly going to um, not be forgotten, whether it's for a good reason or any of the reasons that we talked about today. Like, you know, American Ninja, I know that there's no other way to describe them apart from shit, but that's too easy. Like, you know, yeah, they, they, they were certainly more than just watchable films. I, I thought some of them were good, yeah. Just a, a foreword. I, I do love Masters of the Universe. Uh, I do love the two break-in movies, but... My canon film of choice is uh, Ninja 3, The Domination. Oh, I, just... I love that movie, and I was honestly afraid you were going to say The movie. Apple. No, so no, I was, no. I was no. Say, are I... we really going to fight over that again tonight? <laughs> over no, Golan's do... corpse? The poor Golan's corpse. He tried to kill himself over The Apple. The poor guy. No, I do, I do have a soft spot for The Apple, but as far as like my canon film of choice, Ninja 3, The Domination is just fantastic. The thing that's that's great about canon films is even though they're low budget, they're not like bad, like bad, bad. Like they, they do have this kind of quality about them that doesn't really transition over into a lot of the low budget movies we have today. Like there are some movies that just you look at them and they just look like garbage. Whereas these were a lot of movies. I'd even argue with you in all honesty that they were low budget because the business model for Canon was B movies on A budgets. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was $13 million. In 86, that was a lot. Right. Well, I'm talking lower budget. You know, so yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that was one of their higher profile ones, but the majority of them were were well into. I mean, still, it was just you know, movies were in the the low million, you know, millions of dollars. They 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 really managed to crank out gold. I mean, they they would make them and they would just they would just do really. I mean, not all of them, but they did well enough that they were able to keep cranking them out. Uh, unfortunately, Masters of the Universe tanked. But that was because of a whole other thing where they split the budget because they were going to make a Spider-Man movie. And it just it, it was Mattel just a, was making demands on Mattel got to include this. And well, if you do it like this, we can make a toy out of it. And exactly. They shoehorned in too much stuff and it kind of, you know, too many cooks spoiled mm. the broth. I think a lot of it is going to come out. This is also tying into that. They announced a while ago, but they just announced that it's finally coming to uh, theaters and DVD is Electric Boogaloo documentary about Golden Globus. Yeah, the the review I just read was of a work print. Apparently they don't have a final cut lockdown yet. Mm-hmm. This this documentary I'm looking forward to probably more than any other I have in half a decade. Yeah, I can't wait because I'm really hoping that they do cover a lot of this stuff because this is back in the days when there wasn't 
a lot of, you know, there was no uh, director's commentaries like we get now with a lot of stuff. So there are all these movies that really we don't know a lot about the back history aside from just hearsay. And it would be nice to get a little bit more filled in as to what happened, why certain things did so well and why certain things didn't work at all. See, to me, the canon film that sticks with me is probably no surprise to anyone, Life Force. Life Force, well, first of all, when that came out, I'm 11 years old, so Matilda May walking around the entire film completely nude, that's a plus. You've got space vampires, you've got gore, you've got zombies, end of the world. You've got Steve Rells back accidentally making out with Patrick Stewart. What was not to like or stick in my head about Life Force? That's, I will always think, Golem for Life Force. That's the movie that sticks with me, and I don't even need to go into more details about why that sticks with me. But in general, why does a movie stick with you? What movie sticks with you in the in the manner of you have the critical you as an adult goes, this movie sucks, like Alex brought up with Masters of the Universe. But there's something that sticks with you that makes you love it. What non-canon film does that for you? What non-canon film that is total, like, basically a good bad flick that sticks with me? Where the adult you, the critic in you, says, this has got terrible acting, it's got terrible effects, it's terribly edited, it's a stupid story, but I love it despite. Now, not a new thing. This is about what sticks with you from youth to today. Oh, I I know one um, other than Masters of the Universe. Probably Short Circuit 2. Short Circuit 1 is a good movie. Even as an adult, it's a good movie. And I enjoyed it as a kid. And then Short Circuit 2, I was like, this is even better. They're in New York this time. You know, I got into it and like, oh, locos kick your balls into outer space. And then I watch it as an adult. I'm like, this movie's terrible. And by the time I watched it as an adult, I found out that um, What's-His-Face was not actually Indian. Fisher Fisher Stevens? Yeah, it's not actually Indian. (laughs) Quite racist. (laughs) It was always going to be this one because as I've gotten older, I've been able to look at it and go, yeah, I can see that this is not really that good a movie, but it has got so much in it that is that harks back to the 80s. That, that makes me you know, sentimental for the 80s from its music and everything like that. But the adult in me says you know, it really is not that good on, on a few levels. And it's the first uh, never-ending story film. That uh, that film obviously based on a an exceptionally large book, which breaks, which sort of uh, touches the idea of breaking the uh, fourth, fourth wall or what a third, fourth wall, fifth wall, whatever. And um, but the thing is, like obviously back then when I was about six years old and I was taken to go see it, I was really upset when obviously Artax drowns. Now I look at it, okay, the, this acting sucks, and but this music is just divine. Also, Falcor, you know every kid wanted their own Falcor. Ah, oh, that that's it. Falcor's, you know, your uh, your dream car, every kid's dream car. And um, he, what does he look like? A, a giant dog. He even tries to scratch behind his ear. You know, I I I look at it and go, yeah. And look, especially coming from an English teacher's uh, viewpoint, where I've read Michael Lenn's book and. Yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised to find out that um, he wanted uh, Wolfgang Peterson to change the title because of how much it deviated from the book. And I can see why. I can really see why. But that music, mate, the song itself sung by Guga Jeeb or whatever they are, Lamal, Lamal, I think it's an anagram of his last name. And the music, like the instrumentals of, you know, um, Atreyu leaving the Ivory Tower, 
the actual ivory tower theme music that's played during the preview it's just magical and we go to ourselves oh why don't they make movies like this anymore and then the other half of me goes the adult says well yeah you've just said why but it wouldn't it wouldn't stand up to today's film critics even though we want to like um what's his name Noah Noah Hathaway said oh you know it sucks I don't make movies like this anymore but I can't see people going and putting these live you know these puppets and everything into a film and expecting an audience to still embrace it it's you know that I think they're just gonna have to move towards more realistic CGI but yeah mate sorry to waffle on that's that's exactly the one that comes into my mind that adult thinks yeah okay not really that good but the young version of me just loved it. See, I always thought that movie lied. As soon as the credits came up, I'm like, I want my money back. That title <laughs> lied. I'm <laughs> a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, this one's a bit tough. Um, the the thing is, though, I I guess I guess I never really grew up in that sense. Whereas, like. I don't have that inner critic where like a lot of people will will watch something from their youth and then they get older and they're like, oh, this sucks now. Like pretty much the stuff that I watched when I was a kid, I still like now that I'm older. It's just I I recognize that, okay, you know, this is 30 years old or whatever. And, it you know, maybe didn't have the best special effects or maybe didn't have the best acting, but they had a really good heart behind it. And the intentions were good. And and the movie in the end is still fun. So I had been thinking about it and the movie I'm going to go with is Deathstalker 2. I have I saw that movie a lot when I was younger and a that large was a cable part of that, staple, yeah. That was a cable staple. A large part of that was Monique Gabrielle who holy shit was she, you know when when you're a kid and you see that that's fantastic. That's right up there with It Matilda wasn't May. In, it wasn't until I was an adult that I knew she, that I even noticed she was a bad actress. Oh my god, she's the worst. I didn't care at that point though, you know? <laughs> she's awful, but she's trying. She's trying so hard and she's the she's the worst female actress of the four Deathstalker movies and yet they give her two roles to play. But, she, you know, uh, but John Trulesky was such an awesome Deathstalker. I would have loved for him to have been, you know, Deathstalker in three and four. Like he was such a great character. He was so much better. I mean, the original was just a blatant Conan ripoff. It was still good. Like it's in a Corman, fun. What do you want? Right, right, right. But I'm saying but with this, it's like they kind of went a little. It was it was kind of a mixture of Conan with Indiana Jones in there. He's kind of the, the roguish fighter and and it it had a really good sense of humor it was fun there was a lot of tits in it it was just it's it's a fun movie that's uh that's always stuck with me and i've always gone you know gone back to it if i just need you know an hour and a half to kill and and want to watch something fun and see mine will be transformers the movie the critic in me goes, this story is really thrown together. It's got so many blatant lifts from Star Wars and other sci-fi properties. The soundtrack is cheesy as hell, yet I love it. The voice Shia acting... LaBeouf is just terrible. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about Transformers the movie. There is only one. Came out in 86, Jowski. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> and, you know, the critic in me goes, this movie's awful. But I cannot stop watching it. It's awful. It, it yes. is from a critic perspective. But oh, but I has... love the film, though. I don't know, but was it? I don't think that got like critically panned when it came oh, out. Oh yeah, it did. Did it? Yeah, I, I remember huh. one one of the major critics for L.A. Times or something like that said, "Now they're asking you to pay to watch 90 minutes of toy commercials." 
Oh, that just sounds like a good... Did you write that? That sounds like something you would write. I was 11! <laughs> I could see the 11-year-old Josh Hadley with a beard going, ah, toy commercial for 90 minutes. I, I love Transformers the movie. I can't not like it. Or one that... Now, this one kind of deviates from our subject a little bit, but like the 1980 Flash Gordon. I loved that film then. I love this that film now. I don't know why the modern generation can non-ironically not embrace Flash Gordon from 1980. That film is phenomenal. Probably it shouldn't be, because even the producer and the writer in them, they don't really like the movie. They're like, yeah, this thing's not well put together at all. But somehow it coalesced into something awesome. That movie's awesome. Although I didn't watch it as a kid. I actually didn't see it until about 10 years ago. I saw that in the theater and then every time, even nowadays, and my son does this too. My wife, this happened maybe a year ago. My wife's flipping channels, and it's on sci-fi, and I hear just a sting, just a sting of Queen's music. Infectious Oh, well, who wants to live forever? <laughs> She quick tries to flip past it before my son and I notice, and we're like, whoa, 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 back, back. Flash Gordon's on. We're watching Flash Gordon. She just kind of throws the remote up in defeat like, well, my day's screwed. She's stuck watching Flash Gordon. That's what that movie does to me, Alex. Oh, there are movies like that now for me, but Flash Gordon is awesome, but I didn't grow up with it. I just missed it as a kid. I remember when I saw it, um, I was over at Michael's place, we were having um, dinner there, and um, he called me out to um, let me know that... How old uh, are you at this Flash point? Flash Gordon was on TV. I was four, four years old. It was the second um, It was the second movie I can... Re- it's the first movie after Never Ending Story I can remember watching as a kid, and basically... All I remember is is that a black guy at the start tries to kill Ming after Ming has said to him, kill yourself to prove your loyalty. Ming freezes him in, in his spot, and it didn't have red blood on the sword after he killed him. He, Lou! He like greens. I start crying, and I, they, Uncle Laurie gets into a whole lot of shit because he's, he, oh, we, he'd, we'd watch Predator and you know, all this sort of stuff. I mean, obviously, Predator came out later, but I've seen it since then. I, I watched it after I saw Ted, and it's just a bit of brainless fun, if you ask me. That There is nothing in it that makes me think it's overly crap, and there's nothing in it that really makes me want to keep watching it. It's one of those... Philistine! We, say, <laughs> we let go straight through to the keeper. Flash Gordon is one of those, and I hate using this word, but I'll, so, so much I'll only spell it M-E-H. Ted kind of caused a resurgence. Flash Gordon and uh, I, I douches. Eh, I, See, I don't know. I said it's cool again. Well, I will say that the the hipster douches that are watching it because it's cool again, they're hipster douches. But I think that I know you're not a big Seth MacFarlane fan, but I think that that came from a place of you know genuine. You know, hey, let's let's bring Flash Gordon back, and and oh, I think yeah, that... you, you can see that. It does I don't have to like or dislike Seth MacFarlane to know that he genuinely has love for that film and wanted to have Sam Jones in that movie. But yeah, I think it it did kind of mm. have that. You know, it came back and it was ironic now, and I just ugh, hipsters. But anyway, uh, oh yeah, I well, do, do, do you know how bad the irony got? Well, I'm, okay, bad slash good. The Walmart near me has a two-pack of Ted and Flash Gordon on DVD. 
yeah, it's not like that's just that's like when um, all the freaking stoners were watching The Wizard of Oz and listening to uh, Pink Floyd, where they started packing Wizard of Oz on VHS with I think it was Dark Side of the Moon. And because uh, you could watch, you could sync the movie up with the audio from Dark Side of the Moon and uh, goddamn hippies. I, I love I, I love the movie. I, I remember, you know, seeing it as a kid and, and just thinking it was the coolest thing. It, uh, it it was a it was one of those movies that was like a big deal when I was younger. It was like, oh, my God, Flash Gordon. And, and my dad, you know, he knew of Flash Gordon from like the old black and white serials was just like, oh, this is, you know, the, an updated version of the thing that I watched. And he would tell me all about him. And, um, you know, stupid kid. Hey, that's stupid, dad. You know, and and because he would try to um, like Channel 12 or something would would rerun the old Flash Gordon serials. And and it would and they were just awful. And I'm like, oh, this is dumb, you know, and I'm like, I want to watch this one with Queen and it's cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I. I've always had a soft spot for uh, for that. I'm actually surprised I haven't done an episode on it yet, really. Then when a movie does stick with you, is there is there anything that can happen in your life that can sort of unstick that? That you, you look at the movie and you look at it now as an adult and you go, what was I on? This is terrible now. Say a movie you loved as a kid and you can't look huh. and... and I, I take it Alex has got one. Just hold on. Let me finish the question, Alex. A, a movie that you look at now as an adult and you just go, was I high at six? What the hell was the matter with me? This is terrible. What's your pick for that, Alex, since you clearly want to jump in on that? Clifford. The big red oh, dog? No. <laughs> no. I know exactly what you mean. Martin Short? Martin Short. And I was 14 when that movie came out. My <laughs> sister and I are like, this is an amazing movie. And we're singing the fucking Larry the Dinosaur <laughs> song all the time. And that movie is awful. What age were you when you looked back at it and decided it was awful? Uh, well into my 20s. It's Sorry, Cecil. It is another one of yours, mate. Crawl. Yeah, look, I... Ooh. Oh, no, I like Crawl, but I, I, <laughs> no, I know where you're coming from, James, I do. <laughs> we watched it, okay, I was in grade four, so um, me and a mate um, watching it one afternoon, and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Look, they're so not afraid to show people getting killed, and these things are coming out of these guys' heads and burying themselves in the ground. Oh, God, are those laser swords or something? And, you know, we wouldn't even think of stuff like, well, why didn't he just use the glaive? from the moment he got it or you know other any of the other 50 million plot holes in it but it's only when i watched it shortly after seeing it on gbf i just went oh my god that chick is out of sync with her voice is she being dubbed holy shit she is it's yeah, playing close look, to lizette anthony is french yeah. and she has a thick french accent in real life and apparently they didn't want that, so yeah, they got an American <laughs> act. They got an American to overdub Lizette oh, Anthony. Oh. I, I, I don't, yeah. See, I don't know which is worse, like them doing that or having David Carradine play a role that was meant to be Asian. Like they could have easily well, okay. had James. You, know? you being from Australia, then have you ever seen mm -hmm. the American dub of Mad Max? Is that offensive to you when they overdubbed him with a, an American? Yeah, you know what. You know, if, if they want to overdub it, look, hey, that is their choice. Do I get offended? No, because any Australian who gets offended at that stuff needs to go get their f***ing heads read because Australians are just notoriously bad 
at seeing things for just at face value. Like, you know, you'll get the Australians who goes, oh, that is such a such a hurtful thing to do. You know, we Aussies just aren't George W. Bush's uh, little puppy dog to take into war. Oh, you know, all that crap. Like, we're, you know, it, it's it's hopeless. Like, we, we lay claim to everything that is good and distance ourselves from anything that is not good. Like, oh, Mel Gibson, yeah, he's Australian, even though he was born in America. And, um, oh, wait a minute, no, he's not, because he's also an anti-Semite, so he's not. But what I mean is, what I'm sort of getting at, is the fact that if they overdub it, fine with me. They, they can overdub the whole movie, frankly. But for, like, in, in, a, in a way, doesn't that say something bad about Americans, though? Because the reason they overdubbed it was, and this is right from the, the original distributor, his dialogue was unintelligible. To your average American. I disagree with that. Isn't that kind of pissing on Americans instead of Australians, though? That's what I think it is, actually. Yeah, if people in Australia are getting upset, I don't really think they know what they're getting upset about because you've got to ask the Americans which would they prefer because it's it's obviously being done for them. I mean, it's not just Mad Max that that happens, though. You, you've got – it's even – it's just as bad even when you have an Australian or an Englishman even uh, who's in an American movie being asked to put on an American accent. And it is so obvious and it stands out like dog's balls and that, that's just an expression we have. And um, it's true. Like when um, – like the TV show House, for example, Chase. Now, he's an Australian actor and he was allowed to keep his accent. And um, I thought, cool, like there's no reason why he really should change it. But there are times like when you see – when you have Ewan McGregor putting on an American accent, like why bother? Now, and that's when, yes, I agree with you, Josh. Is this just to Americans um, feel more at ease or is it enabling them to understand it better? Or what? Because I personally, if McGregor's got a Scottish accent, which he does, and he chooses to keep it, okay, look, maybe the Scottish accent is a bad example because that, that on its own says a lot about their individual identity and whatnot. Australians as well. But, yeah, look, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, uh, the, the Americans, I think the changing of the accent is, yeah, okay, if it's to make it less uh, unintelligible, great. But maybe you should do a few test screenings first and ask people if, oh, well, there you go. They may do that anyway. But I think it is, yeah, it's insulting to Americans, the fact that um, they're overdubbing them. It is and it isn't. Like, uh, like a lot of American audiences are stupid. Like, they will... <laughs> I don't want subtitles! I don't want to have to read! Exactly. They, oh, they, don't, want, yes. they don't want subtitles. Yes. And, they like, for example, uh, with, with uh, Snatch, Brad Pitt was talking with the Cockney accent they forced in the subtitles because they're like, oh, people aren't going to understand them. And there's a lot of other, there's but another movie. I, I, don't I can't, know if that's, I don't know if that's a good example because Brad Pitt specifically said he was just talking gibberish. Right. So but I mean, without subtitles, his character kind of doesn't make sense. Really? Yeah. It's not but, supposed to. But uh, there, there was another movie. It was a better example, but that was the one that, that came to mind. There was another movie where something like that, where the guy had a really thick cockneyed accent and they threw subtitles on there because they're like, well, people can't understand. And there was a lot of other movies where I had seen them and people were like, oh, I, I liked the movie, but I couldn't understand, you know, what that one guy was talking about. And I'm like, and it would be something like uh, it would be uh, a British movie. And I'm like, you can't understand a British accent? Like, that's it's not even bad. It's actually better English than, than we speak. And, it's and actually the true English, too. Right. Mm. So there were a lot of people that just, they just will bitch about stuff. And I think that um, they probably were looking at it from the perspective of, at the time, nobody knew who Mel Gibson was. 
they they just were like, oh, well, we'll dub his voice in and nobody will you know, know the difference. And they kind of gave him a little bit of a of a fruity voice too. <laughs> the voice did not match the body. The voice did not way. match it at all. Well, I think the worst <laughs> for Hercules in New York when they dubbed in, they had to have intentionally dubbed in like that high pitched uh, voice for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Where it was just... well, well, no, the worst probably is Zombie 90 where they they clearly got white guys doing what a ster- what they think a stereotypical black guy sounds like to overdub the white characters because I guess funny. Eh, who knows? Again, you never you know you never know uh, unless the stories eventually come out. But yeah, it's it's possible. I don't know. It's okay. Let's just say that there's a lot of bad out there as far as the dubbing goes. Movie I cannot go back and look at. A movie that I looked at very fondly when I was younger, but uh, when I got older and watched it again, realized that it really did suck. Was Tarzan the Ape Man, where uh, yeah. <laughs> Bo Derek and oh my God, Bo Derek's naked all over the place, and because that was you know she was a sex symbol in the eighties, and then and I go back and I'm watching it and I'm like, this really is is not a good movie at all. This is just an excuse for her to get naked, and I mean it's like. It's a softcore porn almost that kind of was taking itself too seriously. Like, I mean, and your problem is, oh, no, 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 no. There are like I some like I'll watch like Bikini Frankenstein and shit on Cinemax and laugh because it's like, all right, this is just trying to be silly and there's good looking girls in it. Whereas this, it was a movie with, you know, mostly nude Bo Derek. And they were trying to make it arts artistic and and it just it it was just corny. It just came off very silly. And uh, I, I don't like I don't hate it. I just don't look at it as fondly as I did when I was young, you know, in, in my like you know young teens. Why do you think a movie sticks with you? Do you think because what we're specifically talking about tonight is from youth to adult. Do you think it matters Say a movie is already 30 years old when you see it at age 9. Do you think that age 9, it's going to stick with you more than if you saw that that 30-year-old movie at age 30? Do you think it's how impressionable you are when you see it or even how you see it for the first time? I think a lot of it is the contextual, the how you see it for the first time and your mindset at the time. I was pretty ignorant as a kid and would just like, oh, movie, it must be good. And I liked a lot of shit that I really shouldn't have liked. But then there's movies that have stuck with me simply because I remember watching it more than I actually enjoy the movie. Like no. Goonies. I have better memories of watching Goonies, but the movie overall is – it's not bad, but I have better memories of the times I've watched Goonies. Oh, absolutely, 100%. I mean, yeah, that that's basically the uh, foundation for um, any critical approach to – any text um you take the position you're in and then you look at how that influences the meaning you get from it now when i saw um the land before time when i was about um 10 years old i remember um i was um an absolute wreck after seeing that like um it was just the most upsetting most horrible thing i'd ever ever seen and it, it was just so so sad like oh why'd they have to kill Littlefoot's mum and uh, you know I, I want to see the next one now and the next one next one next one next one to sort of get some cathartic 
things going. But um, as I got older, now, whilst I do respect Don Bluth's capabilities as an animator, I look at that movie now and I go, okay, what was I getting so crazy about? What, why was it affecting me so much? And obviously, okay, everything that's happened between now and the age of you know, 36, I'm um, obviously not, nowhere near as sensitive as what I was. I can look at it more objectively. And whilst it is still a good movie, the, you know, and I was talking to you about this the other night, the, the thing that actually upsets me the most now about that movie is not the fact that an animated talking dinosaur dies, but the fact that one of the, um, you know, the actors, the one that plays um, Ducky, the yep, 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 I mean, the little girl who played her never actually even got to see the movie because she was murdered by her own father before it came out. And that's... Oh, my God. Something. Yeah. You yeah. didn't know that, Alex, I, I take it? Didn't I no, tell I you did that? not know that. That is horrible. Oh, that, that's... that's um, Yeah, and that's what gets me out. You know, she was... And she was so, you know, up and coming and, and all that. And, you know, so that's what gets me about that film. You know, good film, beautiful. But if Judith hadn't been, you know, obviously died the way she did with her mum, um, I would have um, watched this movie now. This this is all right, but I, I certainly won't be showing it to my kids because I'll probably think it's boring. Yeah, that, that's that's one that's where the viewing of it has has changed. And like I said, without what happened to Judith being taken into account, I could look at it, watch it, okay, and then move on. I certainly wouldn't be affected by the content in it the way I was back then. Well, I have two kind of examples. I have a friend of mine who uh, he didn't see E.T. until like 1999. He, he was like, well, I don't get what the big deal was. And he's like, is this the real that. version or the pointing radios at people? This was still the real version. Okay. Um, they didn't they didn't Photoshop in or, or, you know, digital digitally put in the you know phones and, and flashlights and all that nonsense. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where he, he's like, oh, I didn't get the, what the big deal was. And I'm like, well, dude, you know, it's that's one of those movies that. If if you saw it back in the early 80s, then it, it would stay with you. Saw it in the theater three times. Oh, yeah, dude. I saw it uh, theater. God, uh, my, my, I have an older sister, and uh, she used to she took me to see that countless times. Because that was back when a movie would play in theaters for years. So we, we had a, a theater that was, you know, a couple like a mile from us, and she used to take me to see that. And, you know, like probably at once you know at once every six months or so we would go like now god you're, if you don't see it opening weekend you're probably not going to see it but anyway yeah so he saw it way late and i was just like well you this is one of those movies where it really does make a difference if you see it now certain movies it's not so much they hold up but it's just that they're they're done in a way that like you can watch them almost at any point and they're still effective but yes something like that wouldn't work and i think that uh, my other example was for a lot of kids now let's say a 12 year old kid who hasn't really seen a whole bunch of movies watches surrogates now, surrogates is an awful movie surrogate steals from so many other films borrows from the terminator and the matrix and and it just takes all these ideas and puts them into this one really bad film but a 12 year old kid watching that would probably think it's awesome and then would go and watch the terminator and the matrix and stuff and then think that you know those movies were cliche or those were derivative not realizing that they were the ones that you know they were the ones that everyone now is ripping off so i think that that's kind of an unfortunate thing kids now are are not realizing that these movies the the cliches that you're watching with the older movies they were the ones mm. that created the cliches you know the movies that you're watching now are the ones that borrowed from all that stuff 
So I yeah, think that, that's you know, a, that's the same thing I said about numerous times what to live and die in L.A. A cop dies two days before retirement. His brash partner has to go off the reservation to catch the bad guy while constantly getting yelled at by the boss. And you go, this is every cop cliche out there. It's the one that mm-hmm. started them all. So, yeah, when you look back at the movie, it looks cliched. Wasn't in 1985. No, and that's the unfortunateness is a lot of times you have to point that out to people. Oh, it's so cliche and dumb. No, it wasn't cliche when it came out. So I think that context is is very important as uh, when you when you see a lot of these things and to make a movie stay with you. And I, I think I agree with that, because like to me, I think watching like a Hammer film nowadays, they've got a lot of things that the critic in me will pick apart. But then when I saw these, when I saw a Hammer film on late night TV, you know, by my local horror host on Chiller Theater, two in the morning on a Saturday in a beat up mono print faded of the film, something, even when I see it today, brings me back to that time. And I like the films because of how I remember watching them. So I I absolutely agree with that. It's how you first saw I mean, hell. The critic in me probably would hate the movie Gargoyles, yet I love it because I was so looking forward to that when I caught that at three in the morning on some UHF channel when I was a kid. So yeah, your experiences affect the film as well as the film affects your experiences. Now, to swing this back to canon, do you think that you had to be in a certain time to appreciate a certain film, like the cultural zeitgeist had to be there. Like you brought James, you brought up break an electric break into electric boogaloo. Yep. That yep. movie is terrible today. It oh, kind yeah. of spoke to what things were at that tiny little window when it came out. Do you think without the cultural zeitgeist of 1983, that doesn't work? I think, yeah, you do have to be a part of the time. Cause you try to show somebody and in movies now that were born after the fact, they don't really get into it. I mean, I've been trying to show my daughter the stuff that I grew up with, and she's she can't buy any of it at all. She's like, this is boring. It's establishing character, you Philistine. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> if I know. There is no way. Uh, I'd be way too embarrassed to put, um, you know, Alan Quartermain, The Lost City of Gold up, you know, on a rainy day afternoon when we couldn't take the kids out for sport or something like that, or Superman 4. Like, I'd be just absolutely, I'd go from being the coolest teacher to the worst. And uh, yeah, there's me big note myself, but Bloodsport even, or, or Kickboxer, as much fun as they are, I, I, I'd be loath to put anybody, uh, sorry, to ask anybody to sit down with me and watching it who who didn't grow up in the 80s because yeah they're crap evil angels um i'm pretty sure that's a canon one um you know that that's before the whole lindy chamberlain saga finished so electric boogaloo crikey if if i put like if i put that on i think um with a bunch of 17 year old high school students that they they would kill me they'd like actually murder me i think and um they (laughs) He oh, just, Australia um, is violent. Jeez. Yeah, it's psychos. We just, yeah, look, you have to. You have to either have grown up in that era and or be so so in love with the concept that they are going, like the, the, 
the idea behind that film, you know, breakdancing, oh, cool, this, or you're looking at uh, 80s movies as a means to do maybe a satire or something like that, or if it's, you know, in the genre, like a movie review, like as in GBF, you could not watch a lot of those movies nowadays without uh, some sort of previous 80s context or, or some context that takes you out of the modern era and puts you yeah into a better position to to watch it like when i say better a um more forgiving uh, put you in a more forgiving type of position because yeah you just couldn't put those on well right now um with uh i mean we're on what step up five or six and uh <laughs> they i i think that Dancing in general has kind of come back around to be a little bit, uh, I don't want to say more popular, but a little bit more mainstream than it has been in the past. But don't you think the fashion alone would be enough to maybe throw somebody off for a break in? For a break, I don't know. Like, I think that uh, people would would get that, uh, oh, God, look at those outfits. But they're they're so colorful, and it's just, there's, I don't know, there's, there's something neat about like all right it's it's somewhat okay not even somewhat they're absolutely ridiculous but like you look at them dancing and you're just like holy crap yes and no i mean sometimes you know you do need to be around at the time when it comes out for it to make sense but then some things do kind of come back around you know what's old is new again and uh, i mean my my wife she never saw either of the break-in films. She didn't even know the break-in films existed until I showed them to her a few years ago, and she thought that they were both amazing. And she's nine years younger than me, so she, you know, she was not, uh, you know, really the the target demographic when they came out. She probably just secretly loves Lucinda Dickey. How can you not love Lucinda Dickey? She's just such a little cutie pie. And back to Ninja Three: The Domination. You know, she comes back and kicks ass. Well, she she kicked some ass, and then whatever the hood went on, it was. Show Kazuki kicked a bunch of ass as her. <laughs> Pretty sure it was Show Kazuki, you know, putting putting the mask on and acting as her. Because yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, you know, when I can finally show you know my son the you know over the top and just read the domination and Alien from L.A. All, all that good stuff. You know, I figure I figure around like four or five, you should be ready. Movies as they get older, and I'm just talking like the film evolving. The newer audiences cannot have the same experiences with the, with these older films, whether it be the zeitgeist thing I brought up before. For example, my brother is only four years younger than me. And because of my dad, I grew up watching old Outer Limits episodes and lots of black and white movies and them and, you know, the old Universal flicks and all that. My, my brother did not. That four-year gap was apparently enough to make a shift. So when I showed my brother... A few years ago, Plan 9 from Outer Space, he didn't realize that was a, quote, real movie. His his exact quote to me was, this is the most brilliant satire of a 50s film I've ever seen. He just could not grasp the, fa- the fact that they actually made movies like that. So do you think that that we're moving away from the older film, that the new generation just cannot understand it, get off my lawn? Kind of. We're, well... Yeah, I'm just going to say, yeah. And you only have to look at the shit that is getting produced nowadays. And there is just so little acknowledgement of uh, context culture. Like, Unless it's a, an indie film, uh, I believe, the stuff that's coming out nowadays, um, Michael Bay, all that stuff, it, it's, there is ju- it just seems like there is so little. Okay, if a movie comes out now that is tied into a very specific 
viewing audience, for example, look, I'm just going to put this out there, um, maybe the, the gay community, okay? You get you, you get a movie like um, Stranger by the Lake. Now, I, have, I haven't seen it. I've just I've heard, heard of it. Okay, pe- people are... It's probably an excellent film, and so was uh, *Nymphomaniac*. I've heard people people aren't going to go see those films unless they are actually appreciating the type of film that it is, unless they want to see what is inverted commas a good film. Nowadays, a good film it's so much harder to define. Like, is a good film one that just has more explosions in it? Like, look at *Transformers*. Somebody said it looks like two junkyards having sex with each other. Like, yeah, there, there is no... <laughs> I hadn't heard that no that's, that's amusing. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm going to use that. And, uh, yeah, I personally think producers of movies now are really not giving a shit about, um, about what might be considered as good. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, um, yeah, cut a long story short, I don't think we're going to see many movies... Movies going to, that are coming out are going to shift further away from the thinking man's movie or thinking people's movie, think, uh, an audience that sits there and ponders and thinks and whatnot. We're just going to keep, we're going to get Avengers 6. We're going to get, you know, Justice League 10. Uh, we're going to get all these more. And that, that's going to be the mainstay. And I heard you guys talking in, in one Radiodrome episode that, um, you know, how much money Avengers 2 will have to make in order to um, just get get its money back. That, that's the way it's going to do. And people who make these quality, low-budget movies, they're, they're not going to make them anymore because they just simply do not make the money. And, you know, where where is film industry heading? You know, is it going to come down to two studios fighting against each other to make the biggest and loudest movie there is? So, yeah, I think we have certainly passed the golden age of film, and unless it's explicitly taught to people at schools, uh, film appreciation is a subject, I don't think we're going to return to it. I just watched the uh, remake, reboot, whatever, of RoboCop, and there was a I'm part... Sorry. In... Yeah. You know what? I didn't hate it. But it, it was not good. I, I, I went in expecting to hate it, but it just kind of like it had a few moments where I was like, oh, that's kind of. And then it just went right back into mediocrity. Yeah. There was a part in the movie where they were like, you know, this is assault mode or something. And they showed the old RoboCop outfit. And it was kind of like, that's stupid. And it was and that's kind of the way that a lot of movies are nowadays, where it's like they're taking stuff that uh has been around for a while and it's like hey you remember that thing that was really awesome it's dumb now ours is better and it's kind of that mind you know that that hive mind of thinking that's going on right now where it's like everything that's old sucks and to a certain degree everything new also sucks so we're in this weird quagmire where nothing is really good Nobody likes anything. The only stuff that really kind of gets pointed out a lot of times is when stuff gets pointed out ironically. <laughs> but that's kind of the thing. They're they're like nothing is good anymore. Everything is is uh, is not ironically ironic, and it's it's weird. Like we're we're in this time when like I, I know you're probably going to disagree with me, but I, I think I have a valid point. I know you weren't a big fan of Man of Steel. Not even going to go into that, but. The Batman Superman movie that's coming out in 2016. So far, they've released a picture of Batman. Actually, I'm sorry. Two pictures of Batman, a picture of Superman, and a picture of Wonder Woman. There are so many people. This is going to be the worst pile of shit movie ever. It's garbage. This sucks. They don't know what they're doing. They have released five pictures 
for a movie that's not even going to be out for like two years. Oh like, my god, Cecil. I mean, Wonder Woman looks, looks exactly like Xena. Sorry, zero stars. That freaking Xena is an Amazonian warrior princess. So, and they based Xena's original costume off of Wonder Woman. So they, so they kind of uh, did a variation of that. And that's not even like her final outfit. So it, it's just, there's this weird thing that I, I don't understand that nothing, Nothing that comes out anymore is good. Everything comes out and it automatically sucks. And I, I just, I don't get that mindset. And I, I think I've kind of got completely off the subject. Well, we have, right. we have to wrap up anyway. So where can we find Alex Zero Stars Jowski? Zero Stars? I would give Alex <laughs> three and a half stars. At geekjuicemedia.com. <laughs> where can we find Cecil Cleaning Poop? Trachtenberg. I am not cleaning poop as of currently. <laughs> I probably will be later. Uh, you can find me at goodbadflix.com as well as that wonderful site geekjuicemedia.com. Oh, oh, hush you. You can find me at 1201beyond.com, 1201beyond at gmail.com. And I want to thank James for popping in this week because I know, you know what? As we're recording this episode, we are traveling through time. It's Friday night when Cecil, Alex, and I are recording this. It's Saturday afternoon for James. <laughs> Holy crap. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. <laughs> Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this uh, later? I like to play with things a while before annihilation.
1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.